today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. To walk in the Spirit, we're told, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What does that mean? What does that look like? Here's what it means and here's what it looks like. If I'm walking in the Spirit, living according to the Holy Spirit, busy in the Spirit, I won't have time for the flesh, for the world, the lusts of the flesh, the things of this world, because I'm too busy in the Spirit. I'm too full. I don't have an appetite. Today, Pastor J.D. says that if you feast on the truth supplied by the Spirit, you won't crave the things of the flesh. Nothing can satisfy you and nourish you like spiritual food from God. And the table of the Lord is always full, and you have a seat at His wonderful feast every minute of every day. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The book of Titus and chapter 2 and a passage that we have been looking forward to, maybe I should speak for myself, I have been looking forward to for quite some time because it is the passage dealing with our blessed hope. So can't wait for what the Lord has for us today. So the Apostle Paul is writing to Titus and says, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And here it is, verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. These then, verse 15, are the things you should teach encourage and rebuke with all authority, and do not let anyone despise you. Wow. So (laughs) we get to talk about my favorite topic, the rapture. And not just the rapture, but specifically what we're to do and even how we're to do it as we occupy and wait for the return of Jesus Christ in the rapture of the church. In the text that's before us today, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, in writing to Titus, an encouragement to Titus, doubtless, provides what 
I see as a to-do list of sorts, if I can call it that, if you don't mind. It's a to-do list of things to do until He comes, as we occupy until He comes, as we wait. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you hate to wait. Can I get a witness on that one, please? Thank you. Good. All right. I'm not alone. So I found three. You might find more, but three on this to-do list. And again, thankfully, (laughs) we're not only told what we're to do, but we're also told how we're to do it, how it is that we're able to do that which we're to do as we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing, the rapture of the church in the appearing of Jesus Christ. Well, the first one is in verses 11 and 12, and it's that of denying ungodly worldliness. Now this is interesting because, and easily missed at first read, because Paul says that it's actually grace that teaches us, grace is our teacher, to deny ungodliness, say no to worldly lusts, and it's grace as the teacher that teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That's what were to do, and now we have the how we're to do it. It's under the teaching and instruction of grace that teaches us by the Holy Spirit to be busy in the Spirit concerning the things of God as we occupy until He comes. We've talked about this before. I think maybe it's worthy of noting and mentioning again today, as it will be germane to our understanding. To walk in the Spirit, we're told, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What does that mean? What does that look like? Here's what it means, and here's what it looks like. If I'm walking in the Spirit, living according to the Holy Spirit, busy in the Spirit, I won't have time for the flesh, for the world the lusts of the flesh, the things of this world, because I'm too busy in the Spirit. I'm too full. I don't have an appetite. Don't worry, some of you are looking at me, you're not going to do that food illustration again. No, I'll spare you. But we talk about it all the time. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you don't have any appetite. There's no room. (laughs) Friday was our daughter's 14th birthday, and Man, we just, well, we basically celebrated like the rapture was going to happen. I sure hope it happens because, man, we ate everything. I mean everything. And oh, we were so full. My wife and I are sitting there and just looking at each other going, (laughs) we hadn't even got to the ice cream cake. Now, ice cream cake, by the way, is going to be in heaven. I just want you to know that. And... We were so full, and we had eaten so much. And here's this 
I mean, you would normally salivate, right? I guess I am doing another food (laughs) illustration, but it's a different one. So, I mean, normally you would be salivating, right? From Baskin and Robbins. So I take my daughter in and man, we... We uh, made a note, if we're still here next year for her birthday, we're going to actually go online first, because when we went in, it's kind of like, all of these decisions, what color do you want the flowers to be? Do you want the petals to be different colors on this flower? And then, you know, by the time we got out of there, we felt like we had just completed our real estate transaction. (laughs) So we've got this amazing cake. And here we are, and we're so full. I'm not interested. I'm too full. I'm too full. So, get this. This is profound. I said no. That's what Paul's saying. This is the how. Are you with me? This is how you say no to ungodliness. This is how you say no to worldly lusts. This is how you say no to the flesh when the flesh entices you. You know how it is, right? It speaks to you, whispers your name. Hey, JD. (laughs) No! Not interested. That's how. This is Luke's Gospel. Chapter 19, you know this well, verses 11 through 13. And as they heard these things, he, speaking of Jesus, added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, therefore, verse 12, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and to return. And he called his ten servants, and delivered them ten pounds. And he said unto them, Occupy till I come. You'll forgive this illustration. I thought of it. Again, if you have a better one, please let me know. I'm happy to use it. You know when you um, are in a public uh, place, and you know, the restrooms that'll say occupied. Like I said, if you have a better illustration, let me know. Uh, You can't go in, because it's occupied. That's that's not what Jesus is saying, per se, but you get the point. Uh, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to occupy, be busy, stay busy about the things of God until I return. Because here's the thing, if you think that, hey, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the Lord to return and run up my credit cards because He's coming and I don't have to pay Him back and Isn't it true we have a saying, right? How time flies when you're having fun? Hey, isn't it true too that when you're waiting 
Time just goes so slow. Because you're watching the clock. Okay, what time is it now? Oh, two minutes later than the last time I checked. That's all? Yeah. But when you're busy, time evaporates because you're occupied. You're busy about the things of God. Be busy about the things of God. Occupy until I come. That's the how we're able to say no to ungodliness, worldly lust. I'm too busy. I don't have time. Yeah, but what about? No, too busy. No time. Too busy. I'm occupied. I'm presently occupied. I'm unavailable until he comes. Second one is in verses 13 and 14, and it's that of being eager to do what is good. Now, I'm keenly aware that verse 13 is this well-known, often quoted, very encouraging verse about waiting for our blessed hope. But notice in verse 14, where Paul says that Jesus gave Himself for us to redeem us and purify us as a people eager to do what is good. Wait. Um, Let's back up. (laughs) I'm still waiting for the blessed hope of the appearing of Jesus Christ in the rapture of the church. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, uh, yeah, but while you're waiting, while you're occupying, you need to understand that Jesus gave Himself for us to redeem us and purify us as a people who are eager to do what is good. You know what that means? Well, here again, that's the how. And that's why I emphasize it and point it out. Stay with me. Isn't it true that the people who eagerly wait for the Lord's return are the people who are eager to do what is good? Well, wait a minute, Pastor. What about, was it Mark Twain that said, you can be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good? I couldn't disagree more. I think it's the opposite that's true. I think the more heavenly minded you are, the more eager you are to do earthly good, because you're heavenly minded. I understand, I I get it, you know, your head's in the, all you can think about it. What about when Isaiah says, the one who will keep his mind stayed on thee will be kept in perfect peace. Was there ever a verse that was more apropos than that for the world that we're living in today? That settles me. My mind stayed on Him. Yeah, but you see what's going on in the world? Yeah, but it's not my final destination, man. I'm just passing through. Yeah, but what about, no, no, my hope's not, hey, hey, my hope's not in this world. 
My hope is in Jesus coming to take me out of this world. Oh, that explains why you are the way you are. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, if I really believe this, and I really believe this, and I believe you believe this too, then wouldn't it stand to reason that our lives are going to be evidence of it? The way we live our lives? The eagerness with which we seek to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord? The eagerness with which we have the urgency with which we have to reach the lost? There's a parable in Matthew 24, again, I know familiar to most. It's one of those parables in the Gospels that I have to say has has really had an impact on my life and my relationship with the Lord in this regard. So in verses 45 through 51, Jesus is going to contrast and compare two servants. And the difference between these two servants is that the good and faithful servant lived his life eager to do good. Why? Because he anticipated that his master could return at any time. Contrasted with the wicked servant. So let's begin in verse 45. Jesus speaking, teaching. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But, verse 8, suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, Ah, my master's staying away a long time. No worry, no worry. Party on. And he then begins, verse 49, to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. And then it gets pretty intense here in verse 51. He will cut him to pieces, and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. What's the uh, point of the parable? you got two servants. The good servant lives his life eager to do good. Why? For this reason. He knows that his master could return at any time, and when his master does, he wants to be found faithful doing that which his master called him to do, and that which his master entrusted him with. But then you've got this other one. He's like, man, dude, 
They've been saying the mass is going to come for how many? My my great, 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 great grandparents thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. Actually, that's too many greats. That would have been before Christ. Well, anyway, you can do the math later. He's not coming. I think about Peter in his second epistle. I could spend some time there this morning in anticipation of the teaching today. Peter writes that God is not slow concerning His promise to return, as some consider slowness. In fact, actually in there, he says that it's actually possible to speed His coming. How? Let's get the show on the road. Well, wait a minute, God's sovereign. How are we going to change His timeline? Well, uh, be careful with that. How many times in Scripture, God is sovereign, but the response from man of their own volition can impact the sovereign timeline and will of God. Oh, by the way, you could ask, uh, I think it was Hezekiah about that. I'm probably wrong. You're going to correct me afterwards. That's fine. Where he was given an extra 15 years of life because he cried out to God. And uh, the prophet went to him and said, uh, you're going to die. Uh, have a nice afternoon. <laughs> Get your affairs in order, basically is what I told him. And he cries out to God, pleads with God, begs God, and repents. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you 15 more years. Well, wait a minute. That seemingly changes God's timeline. I thought God was sovereign. No, God is sovereign. Well, how then is it possible for us to speed His coming, as Peter writes, two ways? You ready? Share and prayer. What do you mean? Oh, we know from Scripture that when that last soul gets saved, we're out of here. If you're in this church today and you're that, or watching online, by the way, we want to go home, get saved. That last soul is going to get saved. And that trumpet's going to sound. And then we're out of here. So that's where sharing the gospel comes in. Sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the share part. What about the prayer part? Well, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, which is interesting in and of itself, Isn't it interesting that the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them to preach? Lord, teach us to pray. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Titus may seem small and insignificant, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's all about the truth, and that can both change and inspire. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Titus, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you let into your heart. Be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. Ask Him to teach you His truth and let that overflow into your everyday life, just as Paul did. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. You were never meant to do life alone. 
If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from the book of Titus, right here on In Spirit and Truth.